Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great day. Um, Today, I'm going to do something a little different as I sip my Costa Rica coffee beans, (laughs) which I actually bought at the airport on the way home from the trip that I'm going to talk about today. Um, So, today's story is about a trip I just took to Costa Rica. And I'm going to share that story with you. Essentially, I'm interviewing myself. I'll be really curious as to your thoughts and feedback on this afterwards. So make sure you reach out. Uh, It's a good time for me to talk about it because I'm still like really emotional and having a little trouble adapting back to real life after a magical experience. I'm not kidding. I think I'm in the heat of a term I just learned, (laughs) re-entry. I didn't really understand that, or I didn't have a reason to understand it. And I'll be honest, it's a little harder than I thought, partly because going on this trip was something I didn't know I needed. So think about that concept, something you don't know you need until you do it. I didn't realize the emotional impact it would have on me. Uh, Throughout this episode, I'm going to do my best to explain what that means. Maybe you'll feel it too, maybe you'll relate it to something else. So let's just call this episode, What I Didn't Know I Needed. All right, so before I get started, I'm really excited to tell you about my first official podcast sponsor. Um, I mentioned this in the last episode, so some of you may have already heard it, but here's the deal. I have no idea how many of you have figured out life insurance. Um, Tim and I always held back, partly because we know we're really healthy, but we'd be paying as much as people who don't place an emphasis on their health and fitness. Didn't seem fair. So I'll be honest, you know, it wasn't until we had our daughter Wilder that we actually made a will. It took us that long and started thinking about our financial future in a more serious way. So I started looking around for life insurance that might actually take everything we do to stay healthy into consideration, and that's when I found Health IQ. Health IQ. I went on their website. Um, they have this health quiz that I took, and apparently I must have passed, and an agent immediately called me after I submitted it. So what they do is they literally looked up my race results for me in Athlinks, and thankfully I did the Boulder Peak Try last summer, so I had an official race on record. And what that does is it tells them that you're an active and healthy person. Um, if you haven't done a race, you can upload Strava or RunKeeper or some other app data so they can prove you're actually active when they're seeking quotes for you. And what they do is use science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people, including runners, cyclists, strength trainers, vegans, etc. Uh, 56% of Health IQ customers save 4 to 33% on life insurance. 
Um, going through the process myself, it's been extremely convenient. We're excited to save a lot of money. I actually had the nurse come visit right before I left for Costa Rica, and it was just super easy, smooth sailing. She did all the tests in like, you know, an hour at the most. So it's great. So to see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com backslash RTW. It stands for Run This World. Or mention the code RTW when you talk to an agent. Just remember to share the code RTW so they know I sent you. All right. All right. All right. Back to re-entry. <laughs> now that we've got our health life insurance situation dialed in. So, and I guess that's kind of a fitting thing when you travel outside of the country, isn't it? Um, so re-entry. I've been thinking about this term a little more, and it's funny. I think I undergo re-entry on a much smaller scale on a daily basis. So let me explain this. So to me, re-entry is when you leave one very unique experience and you enter back into I guess, a baseline experience. So for instance, when, let's just think about it. When I host our amazing skirt sports events and I'm surrounded by the power of the feminine and all that oxytocin in one room and it's just amazing and I feel like I'm in just sort of this big you know, sorority or something, I don't know. And then I go home, I leave, I have this little drive, like you know, 15 minutes at the most, that's it, my transition. And then I go home to Tim and Wilder. And it's a completely different energy, especially if Wilder's in bed, because, you know, Tim is very much an introvert. And when he's around a lot of people, his energy is truly sort of taken from him. But when I'm around a lot of people, it infuses me with energy. So to go from one environment to another, you know, it takes, it takes some getting used to. Um, and I used to fight it and sort of resent the re-entry process. And back in the day, it even caused like problems in our marriage. Like when I started skirt sports and I had all this super positive energy and I would come home and I'm not saying Tim didn't have positive energy. He just had different energy. And what he does for me is help ground me, which for someone like me, I finally, finally realized like I really need that. <laughs> So now I accept this kind of daily re-entry process, but it doesn't mean it's always easy or I don't mourn just a little bit each time. But then I embrace and I celebrate. So I do my best to let the process happen and I sort of sink into it. I'm learning to do that more and more, sort of like a wave, right? Which you're gonna hear about in a little bit. <laughs> so re-entry, re-entry from a big trip. Costa Rica into life as it is in Boulder. And let me just stop for a moment because this is also, I wouldn't say it's an emotional time, but I do have a birthday coming up on February 17th, which I think we're going to put this live, you know, the day before maybe I turn 46. And you know, when you have birthdays, you kind of think about what am I doing with my life? Am I doing cool stuff? Am I accomplishing things? Am I growing as a person? Like that kind of stuff happens around birthdays. So this trip was really good timing for me. You know, in the end, I don't know when I decided to go. There, there was just like a little tug in the corner of my heart that said, you need this. It's like it was whispering to me, you need this. 
And I didn't even know what this was at the time. You know, I'm not at a crossroads in my life like many of the people are when they sign up for retreats and many of the women on this retreat were. I don't have a major conflict I'm trying to resolve. I'm not getting over a trauma. My marriage isn't in crisis. My business is really booming. Like it was nothing major. I just started to experience this, I guess I'd describe it as a subtle tension in my heart. Like a tiny little spark had been lit, but I I didn't even know why or when. Um, maybe it was a yearning for something, for expansion, growth, or sometimes I think maybe it's the exact opposite. Maybe it was a fear of getting stale or getting stuck. When I heard about the Women's Quest Surf and Yoga Retreat in Costa Rica, and my friend Colleen Cannon is the person who is guiding and leading it, um, that spark just glowed a little brighter, like someone had maybe blown on it for an instant. You know, I continued moving around in my regular life, doing all the busy things I do, but the spark didn't go away, and I could hear it whispering, you need this. (laughs) So... One day, I think I just realized that it wasn't going to extinguish on its own, so I took a closer look at it, and I asked myself, why had this thing been lit in the first place? You know, it's been many years since I've had an adventure on my own, something that scared and excited me at the same time. My competitive drive to win races is long gone. I don't have that anymore, but the motivation behind that drive may never go away. It's always been about pushing myself physically and mentally. Now, the physical side is really important to me as I attempt new things throughout a life that I can only say has been defined by athletic accomplishments. I mean, truly, my life has. And so I guess it makes sense to me that things that are athletic in nature still draw me. You know, I'm a curious person by nature, and you guys know that just by nature of the fact that I have this podcast. (laughs) I like to explore. I'm constantly inventing ways to push myself in business as a mom, as a wife, and in my local little world. I recently started to discover yoga for the first time. There was a day about a year ago when I felt that same little spark, and I listened to it and it was telling me like, it's time to stretch, (laughs) like literally. So I asked a friend who goes to yoga all the time to take me to her yoga class and, and it, it clicked. So I since started a once a week yoga practice that's actually helped me so much more than I could have imagined. It's funny because back in the day, a surf and yoga retreat would have turned me off, not because of the surfing, but because of the yoga, because I couldn't get my head around why anyone would want to slow down enough to do yoga. I now know it's not about slowing down. It's about stretching and reaching in different ways. Another example, uh, two years ago, my husband Tim asked me to learn to skate ski with him because we'd heard that skate skiing was this awesome like endurance skiing activity. And skiing has always been somewhat intimidating to me since I didn't grow up doing it. You know, I went once or twice to some ski mountain in Wisconsin, I think, you know, (laughs) and all I remember is the car rides there. Um... I never understood why people loved skiing so much. I really didn't. 
It's funny because I kind of think skiing and surfing may have some similarities. But anyway, I took a lesson with Tim on our anniversary a couple years ago, and skate skiing wasn't so bad. So I started getting out more, and we bought skis, and I'm definitely still on my skate ski learning curve, but I truly enjoy it. In fact, on my 46th birthday, that's what I asked if we could do, is go up and skate ski. So, you know, these things, adding these things have both pushed and surprised me to discover what I'm capable of athletically and physically, even as I get older. But... You know, surfing is a whole nother beast because I live in the mountains. There's no beach, there's no wave, there's no place to learn in Colorado, as far as I know. So I haven't thought about surfing for decades because it just wasn't convenient. There were other things to do. So my friend Colleen Cannon, the founder of Women's Quest, is a guide. She's a mentor and a healer for so many people. She helps people tap into what they don't know they need. <laughs> I wonder if she knows that she does that. I'll have to ask her. She's been a guest on the podcast episode 50, one of my most listened episodes. You need to listen to this one if you want some backstory on, on what I just experienced. One thing I love so much about her is that she says, this is how she describes herself. I stopped developing at about age six because all I want to do in life is play. (laughs) Her word is play. And when you get to know her, you can understand why. It's funny, it got me thinking about my spiritual age and I think I might be about 15 because I'm kind of goofy. Something isn't, you know, everything is an adventure. And, uh, Somehow, I'm able to create a teenage sexual innuendo out of like just about anything. So think about this one. What age are you at heart? Where are you kind of stuck? Where do you thrive when you can finally let her out? So many years ago, uh, Colleen started Women's Quest because she knew she was called to help women find their strength and power. That's her calling. And so before retreats were a thing or the internet even existed, she was doing women's retreats all over the world. She um, told us the story about how she started the retreats. And what had happened is she was a professional triathlete, a world champion. She was a freaking rock star in the 80s. And she was racing, right? Racing along, but she was always open to life experiences. And you know, something happened where all of a sudden in a race, she's running along, she's winning the race or, you know, tied for the lead with another woman. And she just decides, she saw the Dairy Queen by her hotel and she was like, I think I need to go to Dairy Queen. (laughs) She pulled off the course. People were like, you can't stop. You're in the race. You're like leading the race. She was like, I'm done. I'm done. It's time to do something else. It was really interesting because she said at a, at a media camp she was attending later, uh, when you're a pro athlete, sometimes your sponsors will ask you to come and attend media camps so the editors get to hang out with cool, fun pro athletes and enhance their experience with your products. And they were all asking her, well, you're done racing now, so what do you want to do next? She goes, you know, I think I'm going to put trips together for women and bring women together and have retreats. And so they started writing about these retreats. And they said, what was the name going to be? And she goes, I'll, you know what? I'll tell you tomorrow. So she slept on it and she thought, it's going to be a quest for women. It's going to be a women's quest. And the next day she came back to the retreat and she goes, or the media camp, and she goes, I got a name. 
It's called Women's Quest. So they wrote articles about Women's Quest and took off. So cool. And I just thought about her and her life and how she has the coolest life. She gets to go travel the world and help people find happiness. And I thought about how we all have the coolest life because we choose to do what we're doing. And if we're not happy, well, then that's our own decision. So embrace it wherever you are. So it's really interesting with this retreat. Um, This one, this particular retreat, is held in the beautiful surf and adventure town of Santa Teresa in Costa Rica. It's right by Malpais and is about 45-minute drive to Montezuma. I don't really know Costa Rica that well yet, but some of you may relate to this. As Colleen says, part of the adventure is just getting here. So there's going to be more on that later. Um, But she mentioned this trip a few months ago, maybe in October of last year, and it just happened to be the thing that snaked right down into my heart and created that spark I was talking about. So one day in November, during the middle of a Women's Quest contest, um, we had a bunch of brands, including Skirt Sports, who gave away a free entry to the retreat. You know, it was a cool little marketing cross-promotion thing. And right in the middle of it, as we were promoting it, I said out loud, I'm going to Costa Rica to learn to surf. It was There was no rhyme or reason. It just felt like it was time. I decided I was going to do that retreat. So I'm going to backtrack for a minute. Before Wilder was born six years ago, I traveled all over the world, first for racing and later for skirt sports. I loved traveling. I'd leave for weeks at a time. My passport was full. Um, It was just something I did. You know, I knew where to park at the airport. I had the VIP privileges because I flew so much. Traveling was part of my life. But when Wilder was born, it all changed. I felt done for a while. You know, I hadn't, I, I honestly, I haven't left for more than four to five days at a time since Wilder was born. In fact, my last international trip was in February of 2011 to Asia for skirt sports uh, manufacturing. And I got pregnant in March and I never traveled out of the country after that. So this was a big deal for me. You know, I was going to be gone for eight days. The first thing I did was talk to Tim. You know, what do you think? Should I do it? How will this work? Will you be home? Can you handle Wilder for eight days? I mean, it's freaking hard to have a six-year-old alone for eight days. Should I, you know, should I try to incorporate some work into the trip? Would that detract from the rest of the retreat? Does it matter, you know, if I love it or if I incorporate? Like, I was trying to get my head around all of it. And then there was this little internal debate. Will I feel guilty? I already do just a little by considering this trip. How will I survive without my hugs and kisses and comfort of my family? What if something happens to Tim or Wilder while I'm gone? What if something happens to me? How will the trip logistically work? You know, it's like like Colleen said, it's an adventure just getting there. Now, who are these other women I'll be bonding with? Do I want to bond with them? <laughs> you know, maybe I should bring a bunch of product and do a photo shoot while I'm there. We're going to be in Costa Rica anyway, and I'd have to go do a photo shoot before or after the retreat. So should I ask some friends? Should I recruit my sister? 
you know, who's going to take the photos? Who's going to be my models? What are the locations? Could I actually pull this off and not compromise the true purpose of Women's Quest? So I thought about it and it became more clear as I went. The true purpose of the retreat is to discover your own power, strength, and courage. That's pretty simple. (laughs) You know, it doesn't matter. There's no magic formula to that, right? So to fill the need that caused me to say yes in the first place, you know, that was the question. What was that need? And I thought about it. And I, and I really believe my need was for growth, expansion, and to not get stale. I was going to learn to surf. So I felt like, you know, I could do this. And I pulled the trigger. I was going to learn how to surf. I was going to do yoga. I would meet fabulous new friends. I would recruit some current friends if I could. I would bring my sister with me and I would take beautiful photos of beautiful people doing beautiful, inspiring things and I would have a blast. So it was done. I was in. And as the retreat got closer, I could feel what I describe as healthy anxiety build. If you know me, I very, I try very hard never to use the word stress. I just, I don't like the word. I don't like how it physically makes you feel. So I always change the word. <laughs> so this time I'm calling it healthy anxiety. A lot of times I call it excitement. So feel free to steal that one anytime you're feeling the S word. Come on, change it to excitement. I'm really excited today. Um, so I packed my bags and Everybody said, you don't need very much, but then I threw a whole bunch of extra stuff in and I had a whole big suitcase full of skirt sports product for the shoot and I planned ahead at work, tried to get things scheduled and done. I spent extra time with Wilder and I was all ready to roll. And guess what? Then I got sick. Yeah. Three days before I left, I got the body aches. I had the flu. I still had too much work to cram in. I was trying to get more done, but my body started shutting down. Two days before, I got a fever. I couldn't get out of bed for most of the day, and I only had one more day. Why does this always happen when you're going on a trip, when you get to relax and have fun? Now, I talked to Colleen about it, and she said, oh, yeah, I got sick too. It happens. Your body knows. It's coming. I was really actually worried about traveling because I didn't really know what it was at the time. Was it a real cold or was it just like this little short thing and the flu is really serious this year? And a friend told me that airports have these thermal sensors and they can stop someone with a fever from entering their country. So, you know, I was worried about all that. But in the end, there's nothing I could do except rest, take cold meds and hope it moves fast. So that's what I had to do. Two days before when I'm trying to jam all the last minute stuff, I had to give up on that. And I think that was kind of a lesson to me is, you know, there's never a good time to to do this. You, you need to take care of yourself first. The day before the trip, the fever went away and it turned into a cough and just sort of a imbalanced body and it put me out hard, but I was functioning and I didn't have a fever and nothing was going to keep me from this trip. The other funny thing, I had only exercised once that entire week. So prior to this trip, I had the longest amount of time I've taken off from exercise in, I actually like 
probably since I had a C-section six years before. I've never worked out only once in a week. That's like crazy for me. So I felt sluggish, sick, and definitely not surf bikini and photo shoot ready, but I was going. It didn't matter. Um, and the way I did this trip, I flew to Chicago first to pick up my sister, Michelle. Um, travel's tough when you're not 100%, so it definitely put me back a little, but my sister hasn't flown out of the country maybe ever. Um, so I really wanted to fly with her to San Jose, our main airport in Costa Rica. So Michelle met me in Chicago at O'Hare, and we stayed overnight uh, one night so that we could get up early and go together. Um, Michelle is my older sister by two years. And in fact, we build this as a birthday trip, sort of our justification. We turn 46 and 48 a few days after we return. I'm younger. <laughs> Michelle, as I mentioned, I she's never traveled out of the country. Um, she's both a stay-at-home mom and she works for Skirt Sports and she manages everything. She's been with me at Skirt Sports since the very beginning. Um, she's really good at bossing people around. So she works on accounts receivable and handles some big account logistics. Um, she is one of the most natural people persons that you'll ever know. I thought I was a relationship person. Michelle is my idol in this regard. She's so fun and funny and people just gravitate to her. She's a natural mother. Um, she's got four kids. She lends a comforting touch everywhere she goes. But you know, she's also got a complicated home life. Almost four years ago, her husband was hit in the head by a hockey puck at a Blackhawks game, and he suffered a traumatic brain injury, and that's affected him in some ways, and he will never be the same, and their life will never be the same, and it's just a constant reminder. It makes me want to cry thinking about it because, you know, life can change in the blink of an eye, and... <clears throat> She's a perfect example of someone who could use a little me time therapy that she never takes. She needed this trip as much or more than me. I didn't know I needed it, remember? So when I called to ask her, I expected a little pushback because she never takes care of herself like this. But instead, she must have also known there must have been a spark in there somewhere that said, sometime you've got to stop. And instead, what she said to me is, okay, when is it? <laughs> it was like, it was, uh, it was such a good lesson for me too. You know, let go of expectations. People surprise you if you let them. And I think this is something we all need to remember and continue to, to work on. So coming back to it, Michelle and I got up early. We headed out on our flight. As usual, there was enough uh, pre-flight anxiety to cause what I would call maybe torrential pre-flight pit sweating, which is so lovely when you have a long flight followed by a few more legs of travel to a new country that you're pit sweating before you even start the day. But remember what Colleen said, getting here is part of the adventure. And she was right on. After we landed in San Jose, that, that part was easy. We had to get to Santa Teresa, which would normally be a short airplane, airplane ride and a taxi to the hotel, but all the puddle jumper flights were full, so we had to find another alternative. Not to mention that one of the puddle jumper airlines had had a 
crash like a few weeks or a month before or something. So they were like out of business. I don't know. Anyway, so first we uh, we met her fellow retreater and skirt ambassador, Sandra Laflame at the airport. She's organic runner mom if you want to check her out on social um, she's amazing. Their family owns an organic farm and they sell eggs all over the country and she's just awesome. But anyway, we finally found her and we got a taxi to drive us an hour to a ferry and then he dropped us off at this little town and we were like, what do we do? And he sort of pointed to a restaurant, like, why don't you get some food? So by now we're drip sweating again down our pants because we still have pants on and into our shoes. It was like, it was, it was, it was not pretty. So we walk into this restaurant and the first person we see, <laughs> we just look around, was the most gorgeous surfer guy who looks like he was straight out of the movies, framed by the ocean in the background. Hence began the theme that beautiful people live in beautiful places. We all immediately also changed into our skirt sports, of course. Um, And then we later started a hot guy WhatsApp chat with our fellow retreaters as, you know, middle-aged women. We appreciate the ability to act like seventh graders for a week. As I said, I think I'm stuck there. Um, And But what's really funny is I posted a lot of photos of me like with our surf instructors and a bunch of hot guys all the time. And when I got home, Tim commented on how interesting it is that in the days of the Me Too movement, we are objectifying men and no one says anything. And I was laughing about it, but I realized he's kind of right. So sorry, guys. Um, Although I'd have to say the hot guy WhatsApp chat might live on anyway. But anyway, that is actually a topic for future discussion, you know. All right, so eventually we board a ferry as the sun went down and we found another taxi after the ferry and winding roads and we finally, it's nighttime, finally turned down this little hidden driveway, the sign Pranamar. That's where we stayed. Beautiful little beachside resort called Pranamar. We'd finally made it. And what's, what's cool about a retreat is that you really are sort of thrown right into it. Um, dinner with all of these new friends that I didn't know I needed was beautiful. In fact, every single meal was beautiful, but I'm talking about the whole experience. I introduced myself that night to a whole bunch of women, and I said, I'm getting up at six to do a few hours of photo shooting. Does anybody want to join? Every one of them said yes. That's what I love about women who have open hearts. So adventure part two was about to begin. This was a part that I had worried might detract from my experience of the retreat. But here's the deal. Photo shoots are one of the aspects of skirt sports that I love the most. It's about connecting with people. It's about helping real women feel comfortable in their skin, giving them a chance to shine, letting their like inner supermodels come out. I actually think we all have a little supermodel living inside of us. And the trick is to find a photographer and a, and a team who makes you feel comfortable. You need a leader who you believe in, and you need women who have the courage to try. And in the end, it's about trust. You know, trust is huge. This is a big topic. I mean, we can do multiple podcast episodes on trust. I probably need to do this, find some experts. <laughs> I believe trust is one of the things that is a key to a happy life. Without trust in others 
and in ourselves, especially trusting our guts, you know, we move more cautiously and we sometimes let fear lead. I was nervous myself. I haven't led a photo shoot in a very long time as both a logistics and on-site director. Fortunately, I have a creative skirt. Uh, my my teammate Jen Allen at Skirt Sports who helped me prepare outfits, but you know, she was in Boulder. Like we didn't know what we were gonna get and who we were gonna get and who was gonna look good with each other. And like, do you want someone who's five foot with someone who's six foot? And you know, so you're just sort of hoping that it works out. And once you're on location, all hell breaks loose. It always does, especially with a huge group of eight women that day. A photographer I met the morning of the shoot. I mean, I talked to him a little bit beforehand, but really, I met him that morning. And zero knowledge of the locations. Trust. <laughs> That's what I needed. And, and, I, and I had it. I believed it would work out, and it did. And yes, it was a little exciting, and I put exciting in quotes, um, out there that morning, but it all came together. We got beautiful shots and... The really cool thing, we started to bond. Nothing brings you together more than getting naked, doing quick changes on a beautiful beach with a bunch of women you met the day before. But sometimes it also helps to have a security blanket. I realized um, something on this trip. I didn't, I mean, maybe I just, I don't know why I didn't realize this before, but when I'm with my sister, Michelle, she's a security blanket for me. I can depend on her to help me feel safe and comfortable. If I do something stupid or I say something, you know, ridiculous, which I do all the time, Michelle always kind of helps you just gloss it over and feel like no big deal. And it was so incredibly fun to watch her do the same for so many women. You know, do you have anyone like that in your lives? Because these are special people. All right. So here's where it gets really fun. We started surfing on Monday. <laughs> Our schedule called for four days of surfing, two on, one off, two on. Two to three hours per session with private instructors. And they paired Michelle and I together, which we later learned is generally forbidden as siblings and spouses tend to struggle emotionally when they're out there. But not us. We killed it. It was like all support all the time, not just for each other, but for all the women. In fact, every woman on this retreat immediately came together and cared deeply for each other to find what we were all looking for. So we were from, I think, our early 30s to our early 60s, and we were all tackling surfing for the first time. Um, ever since I was a kid, I actually thought of myself as a surfer girl. But in Chicago, the closest I could get was to become a swimmer girl. I swam at a very high level, including the 1988 Olympic trials. I was a 100 breaststroker. I was later recruited to college. And even after college, when I became a triathlete, I never learned to surf. I mean, I could boogie board and body surf for hours on the right beach, but I never took an opportunity to surf. I don't know why. But I thought I was a surfer. In my heart, I was a surfer. So that was this this was it. 45 years old, almost 46, is not too late for anything. 
If you are listening to this and thinking, oh crap, a little spark just lit inside me. What does it mean? Am I going to learn to surf soon? How will it work? I'm so nervous. I will tell you how it works if you go to a Women's Quest retreat and two things immediately come to mind. First thing, if she can do it, I can do it. Just think about it. There are a million people surfing probably on any given day. And they are all ages, all sizes, all levels. It's just like a race. When you actually look around and see the depth and variety of people who tow the starting line, it should give you comfort that you can also do this. So I held on to that thought. If she can do it, I can do it. There's tons of people out here surfing. You know, I'm an athlete. Of course I'm gonna be able to do this. But it doesn't mean I wasn't nervous. And the second thing is a very important word that I mentioned earlier, trust. You have to trust the process, trust your instructor, trust yourself. And when you lose trust, you will fall, you will get injured, you'll get hurt, you'll make the wrong decisions. Our instructor, Chicho, is an awesome guy. He's a, he was from Italy. He said he had a really tough childhood. And I don't even know how he got over to Costa Rica. And, but he lives this beautiful life now. I mean, he's, he's an incredible expert surfer. And he helps people find that happiness every day. He's got a 10-year-old kid. I met his girlfriend. A lot of people don't get married over there. They're just together their whole lives. So he was amazing. Uh, you'll have to look at my my uh, social media because I posted a photo of him and everybody was like, hey, it's Spicoli. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Anyway, um, he took us step-by-step through what I would call surfing 101. So we understood the safety. We understood how to fall, how to pop up on the board, where to stand, how to accelerate, how to slow down. Eventually, they teach you how to turn, how to paddle, how to turtle roll to get under the waves that are breaking when you're getting out there. And each instruction happened like just as we were ready for it. And that's what makes a great instructor. So on the final day, on day four of surfing, you know, we progressed each day. I was ready to go to the next level and surf what you call green waves. The white waves are when they've already crashed and that's what you learn on. You're just kind of riding the white surf into the beach. It's very safe and gentle. But the green waves are a little bigger. They look green, basically. And um, and I was ready with one other retreater, which happened to be Sandra, who we picked up in the airport on the way. Skirt Sports Ambassador, too. And it was such a magical day from the beginning and an experience I keep replaying in my mind from getting into the car to drive to the to the beach, you know, the whole thing. It was just amazing. The waves were the perfect next level. They were a few feet high, gentle. It was a sandy beach break, um, not so tough that we couldn't paddle back out after we fell because that's really hard for new surfers with big, huge boards is getting through those waves to the spot where you where you can you know, stand up. So before we started, Chicho said to us, look, you have to believe that you can do this. Believe in yourself. And I just want to let that sink in for a minute. We all know that if we believe we can, or at least we have a much better shot at it than if we doubt, right? Makes me want to cry thinking about it. You just, you have to start with believing. And it's not about being cocky, like, oh, yeah, I could do this. You know, it's just holding a firm thought in your heart that we can do what we decide we want to do. That's it. It's pretty simple. 
You know, if you imagine yourself falling on a trail, you're going to fall. If you imagine yourself gliding over the rocks, you're going to glide. So on the way to the beach, we ran into Colleen's instructor. She has a personal instructor named Ishmael. She calls him Ish. Ish is a very special person with an energy that you can literally feel. So six years ago, he died under a truck when he was trying to pass a bike or a bus on his motorbike. Um, He had been a pro surfer and his legs were completely mangled from the femurs down. His feet were reconstructed. Clearly, he was brought back. You know, he died and was brought back. He came back. Um, He was in a wheelchair for five years until last year when he started to walk again. And he's truly a miracle. Um, So you would think someone like that maybe isn't getting back in the water. But that's so wrong. (laughs) The water is so healing. You know, he came out in the water with us because he's still an incredible surf instructor and he can still push us beginners and direct us and you know when you're starting out it really does help to have your little instructor security blanket with you so with chicho and ishmael i caught probably a dozen green waves and had a few good little wipeouts but mostly amazing rides and it's funny the one i'm most proud of We didn't capture on video. You never get those on video, right? But it was a moment I was resting a little bit behind the break and Ish saw a perfect wave coming for me and no one was near me to push me. So he just yelled, Nicole, paddle now, paddle, paddle. And I didn't think I trusted. I started paddling. He said, straighten out. I straightened out. Move up on the board. I moved up. Now go up. That's what they yell, up. I popped up right when he said it, and it was the best wave because I did it all on my own. No one pushed me. All I did was listen and trust. I rode my own green wave, and I keep replaying it because it was so magical. I replay it in my mind. It's amazing. Um, And the funny thing is when we were sort of giddily and nervously driving to this spot, I asked who surfs here, and Chicho said, oh, this is where we take the grommets. Grommets? Yeah. You know what grommets are? Kids. <laughs> so this is where the kids start to learn. We were good enough to surf with the kids. And to that, I'm very proud. And of course, Colleen had a funny twist on it. She goes, yeah, they call us the grommets. The grommets and the grommets. Why, you know, ride here. Um, I had a great realization while I was out there. Probably something every surfer knows innately. And they'll just, you know, kind of shake their head when they read this. But it was new to me in this sense. You can't control a wave. The more you try to control it, the worse your situation becomes. You have to read it and move with it and sometimes let it roll right over you when you fall. Control is something that so many of us feel that we should have in life. You know, we spend a lot of time and energy trying to control. I believe that we, we have control over pretty much only one thing the way we react to the world around us. In trying to control our lives, we lean on tons of coping mechanisms like alcohol and drugs. You guys all know my alcohol issues from the past, Um, eating disorders, abusing ourselves and others, and more. And when I was racing triathlons, Tim taught me early on that you can't control anyone else's race. You wanna compete against them, but you're running your own race. 
you know, in Hawaii at the Ironman, he would always say, just keep going, keep doing your race, even if people run by you, because you never know who's going to blow up ahead of you. And it was true. You know, people, I was such a steady racer that people who went flying by me early would often be walking or stopped on the side of the road later on. That's a big lesson. Control yourself and run your own race. And the same goes for the waves, especially when you're you're down, right? And a big wave breaks right before you when you're trying to get back out there. You kind of have to give in to the wave and let it wash over you before you can get back up, breathe, and keep paddling. And once I embraced that, everything just felt easier. Isn't that interesting? Really? All you do is let go of a little bit of energy and life gets easier. So here's the deal. I wrote down on paper that I had a goal this year to learn to surf. (laughs) I'm looking at that paper right now and smiling because I can surf. And it makes the other goals I have seem even more possible. It's amazing. Uh, Throughout the week in Costa Rica, I sprinkled photo shoots into the retreat. And after the first day when we shook out the kinks and everybody got acquainted and changed naked next to each other, (laughs) each mini shoot felt more fun and more natural. We shot yoga with a master trainer in an outdoor yoga shala with beautiful jungle foliage all around. We discovered an abandoned beachfront hotel that had been built 50 meters too close to the sea. So the townspeople were encouraged to take everything from the hotel, which they did. And then they added the most vibrant graffiti art. It was fun, edgy, pushing the boundaries a little bit, especially when a colony of bats literally flew out of a room as we tried to walk in. Finally, um, you know, we also shot at our little tiki bar at our resort and finding beauty around every corner and every twisty little path in the resort. Beauty is everywhere when you actually take a moment to see it. You know, I don't hire professional models at Skirt Sports. I never have. I'm the closest we get since I've been doing shoots for 20 years. But every year I ask friends and friends of friends and all of our skirt ambassadors and whoever to join me for photo shoots. All they need is to be real people with real bodies that fit in the sample sizes we happen to have that season. That's the only caveat. I, I seek diversity in all ways. Body types, that's huge. Sizes, skin color, age, you name it. I mean, that's because that's what our brand stands for. So this time, I asked a group of women, most of whom I had never met before or seen before, if they'd be willing to put themselves out there for big-time internet fame and to help a sister out who they didn't even know yet. And as I mentioned earlier, they, they answered with a resounding yes. So here's who we had this year. We have... Allison. She's feisty and funny. She's short. (laughs) She's a veterinarian with a huge heart. She can't turn off her brain because she's constantly thinking about how to help other people, especially all the stray dogs we saw too in town. We have Fawn. She's an entrepreneur and the founder of Itty Bitty City, a really cool playtown for kids in Missouri. 
who we may or may not nickname Casper due to her less than tan <laughs> complexion. She'll love that. Um, Kat, who at 60 plus is a former TV commercial model. And she seems to live 10 lives at once. She did some of the funny, she reenacted a few of her funny commercials. Like, I was feeling the burning and the itching. And it's something just wasn't right. <laughs> she did that stuff. Isn't that crazy? Um, Sandra Laflame, who's an avid runner and triathlete and blogger who owns the organic farm I mentioned earlier, and she's the most fun person ever. She was up for anything on this trip. She's also a skirt ambassador, as is Jen from Alaska, who is so independent that the big stretch for her was to actually do a retreat with other people because she spent so much time adventuring solo all over the world for mo you know, most of her life. So that was really cool. She ended up being our roomie, me, Michelle, and Jen in the, uh, we called it the bunk room, three beds. <laughs> it was fun. Nermeen, she's such a beautiful surprise, 60. Um, she's Egyptian. She said she wants to keep trying new things, and her husband said she wouldn't get up on a board, so she's there to send some photos home of herself up on a board. She's absolutely stunning. Her legs reminded me of Tina Turner. She's awesome. Molly was like five feet tall, a beautiful soul who was there to reclaim herself. And we recruited some locals. Belkis, cool name, natural beauty from the Dominican Republic. You'll see her if you look at our photos from that abandoned hotel. Um, Sandra was a professional videographer from Sweden exploring life in Costa Rica. She was like, my goodness, she needs to become a professional model. She was so awesome. Pia. She is Colleen's right-hand mermaid. She's the Women's Quest mermaid. She, she had made an appearance in Sammy, our seven-month pregnant wife, owner of the surf school, who owns the surf school along with her husband, my sister Michelle, who you heard so much about. And finally, the legend, the founder of Women's Quest, um, a woman who brings so many people together, Colleen Cannon. It was a it was a diverse group of women who opened their hearts and minds to allow their inner supermodels to come to life. And I'm so grateful to all of them and more, everyone who touched us this week. And this can only happen if there's trust. Yes, we come back to trust. Trust in me for creating a safe place for them. Trust in the clothing that it will fit their bodies and make them feel good. And we wouldn't possibly put a photo out there that makes you look bad. And possibly the most important person on every photo shoot is a photographer. You must trust the photographer implicitly. I met Carlos Palacio through Colleen. Colleen has known Carlos since he was a young surf instructor long, long ago. Uh, Carlos studied graphic design, and one day a client asked him to take photos for a project, which he did, and they were both surprised at how good his eye was and his work was. So he started exploring photography. Today, he's a full-time photographer who finds beauty in everything. He loves what he does and it shows, but it doesn't mean he hasn't had a tough life or struggles along the way, he has. You know, it's funny, when everyone was doing shots one night except me, I said, no thanks, I don't drink. And I said to him, I haven't had a drink in 10 years. And he told me that was great, he was proud of me, and that he had a drinking problem that put him close to the streets many years ago too. He gets it, you know? And it was a reminder that everyone struggles 
everyone goes through hardship and we can find our way out into a place of light and love. There is hope. If you're struggling right now, you can find your way out. There is a future. Carlos is beyond talented. Um, He was made to do this. I know many incredible photographers who I respect greatly, like my good friends Kim Cook and Bobby Turner, who do much of the photography now for Skirt Sports, or even my husband Tim, who also has a natural eye. But it's always fun to stumble upon a talent like Carlos. The point is that it doesn't matter how talented he is if he doesn't help people feel comfortable and want to put themselves out there. If you can't do that, you won't be successful. Think about that as you consider your own talents. How you allow others to share in those talents is what makes the world go round. We are all in this together. But the retreat had to end. As much as I wanted wanted the retreat to continue, wanted that magic feeling to continue, I have a life in Boulder, Colorado. (laughs) I have a family that I was so nervous and scared to leave for eight days, but I will be honest, while I wanted to go home to see them, I also didn't want the feeling to end. I mean, I feel screwed up. But re-entry is a tough thing. We're back to re-entry here. I just spent eight days in a very safe, warm, fuzzy environment, breaking barriers and bonding with women like we're in some sort of middle-aged sorority. It reminded me that we are not alone in this world, no matter how hard things get. We are not alone. All we have to do is open up and put ourselves out there just a little bit. I didn't think I had something inside of me that needed to heal, but that doesn't mean healing didn't occur on this trip. I feel raw and emotional, like I needed to heal something that I didn't know was hurt. Maybe it was the fact that I hadn't left for so long and that I hadn't done something so epic since I gave birth six years ago. I realize now that healing is all around us. As much as pain and suffering are part of our lives, healing is also here for us when we're ready to accept it, open to it. Today, I feel strong and powerful. I feel hopeful. I feel the opposite of stale. I feel alive. So when that spark was lit a few months ago, maybe it was telling me that I needed to do something to feel so very alive, and I did it and I'll do it again. The end of every podcast, I I ask everyone to give a nugget. So I'm going to ask myself, what nugget do I give our listeners to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way? And here's what I have to say. When you feel a spark come alive, don't try to squash it. Look at it. Explore why it ignited. Let it take life. Listen to it. Do what it tells you so you can grow and expand on this incredible journey we call life. Maybe this could also be called simply listening to your gut, but I think it goes deeper. It's about acknowledging the things that you sometimes don't even realize are calling to you, but when you stop for a moment and give them some attention, they bloom, and you realize your life is about to change one way or another. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. 
This was a good one for me. (laughs) And if you love my podcast, please share it with all your closest friends. If you have a favorite episode, please let me know. I've got some really incredible guests lined up for 2018. Let me just say that there's no lack of amazing people in this world. And please don't forget about my new sponsor, Health IQ. It's honestly like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver. Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for being health conscious, right? And living a health conscious lifestyle. I know all of you work hard on your health and fitness, partly why you're here. So if you're curious about life insurance, see if you qualify. Get your free quote today at healthiq.com backslash RTW. Mention the promo code RTW. Don't forget so they know I sent you. And that's it for today. Musings from Costa Rica. What I didn't know I needed. All right, everyone. Now you know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout, and I'll see you next week.